November kind of time so yeah looking forward to that that was good to get into doing some kind of big stuff that's going to be in print you know it's been really fun so so any leaks leaks for the podcast no, no leaks no that NDA is strong <laughs> yeah I can't, I can't leak that but yeah you, you'll find out you'll find out soon but yeah it's funny because in terms of the street picks that's something I guess we should formally introduce what this is and who we are and what we're doing but that's something i actually wasn't doing when we spoke initially as as part of the interview series you guys were doing so obviously if people don't know you guys are break and enter brandon and elliot um zero call archive aka zero call archive yeah i was i was initially part of your interview series like about a year ago right that you guys were doing yeah, I was going to say that that it's cool because that's something that you touched on. I think we all touched on in our original interview was that you were kind of obviously into these people that document culture and street culture and street fashion or what have you at the time. And now it kind of seems like you're coming full circle and becoming that sort of person who is documenting that and may very well have their pics getting posted on a archive account in 30 years time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fingers crossed. That was definitely something from the checks. We, I know we talked a little bit about who I mentioned already, Daisy historic fashion, who is actually doing it before me. And I was, I was, I was almost kicking myself. I was like, damn, why, why did I leave it so long? And I was, I was spent a long time working out how to kind of do my own version of it that didn't seem a derivative of what someone else was doing, but was still like, or, you know, adding something to the potential kind of future archive that you mentioned. So yeah, I was doing like the Hair Wars ones, then I've been doing like ones on different collectors, like obviously people don't know, like, or I don't do it so much now, but we we all have like online stores selling, you know, sort of inverted commas archive clothing. So I kind of, through doing that, I'd got to know a good community of people that collect specific brands and are into specific designers. So semi-inspired by Happy Victims, but kind of like the, that book, but shooting it more in a sort of traditional streetwear way, people wearing full looks of their, their fave designer. So so yeah and that that's kind of been expanding like the next one is gone from people who collect stuff to people who are actually designers and there's going to be another another series after the designers one drops but yeah it's more yeah just been fun doing that and I think it's fun when you actually read through all the old sort of street style magazines because I know some of the people you look through the pages and it'll be like oh, this person is a collector. This is from magazines of the 90s or whatever. This one became a designer. This is Water Van Beerendonk or whatever. And it's fun to flick through the pages. So in a weird way, I'm kind of trying to reverse engineer something. So there will be, oh, there's a designer on this page and this one on this page. But it's all kind of come from these individual projects that then all get mixed together into a zine, which is hopefully a, a similar experience to someone that might have encountered one of those um street style magazines you know for sure man i feel like you've been manifesting this since we first spoke like properly been like a year ago almost since the interview i feel like you were mentioning it a lot how you wanted to do more of your own thing but you didn't really know how to start and all that 
kind of like branching out more from like the scans and I guess like inverted commas archive store zero cool type of stuff yeah no definitely I think that was just the frustration of the the whole of of lockdown because again like to just introduce a little bit about what we all do we all do kind of different kind of creative stuff outside of this so I'd always been like someone that inverted commas again is a maker kind of person so so I think eventually selling clothes posting scans is all really fun like working that curatorial way but there's still that frustration of like okay this is working at 60 percent you know especially like I've had the opportunity to work on you know reasonably big projects work with reasonably people of a certain scale so it's been like well I want to kind of let that ability to be able to do that kind of thing for full flat like I want to make sure that's being channeled even if it's kind of in a way that intersects with the scanning the selling and kind of work out a new way of interpreting what I do based on you know having had that space in like lockdown COVID where there's like 18 months where I couldn't do anything and I'd actually built up this new thing to kind of stave off the boredom of being in, inside all the time, you know? Yeah, I think that kind of talks about how this came across. I think it just like, we were both like Break and Enter and Zero Call were both kind of searching for ways to expand, but still stay in the same realm, but not do it in the same way kind of kind of thing. Like you said earlier, we used to do interviews that were kind of, we do a Zoom call like this, and then we kind of write it down. And we did, Brandon is pretty great at graphic design. So we do a whole layout um, and do it like that. But it just kind of felt like we were almost boxing ourselves in, just making it fashion related. Because we both, all, all, all three of us have a lot of passions, obviously outside of just specific fashion and especially archive fashion. And I feel like, yeah, this just kind of came about as a really natural way to explore those in a pretty conversational, topical, topical way. Yeah, that's the that's the plan. That's the that's the transition remiss, I guess. So so yeah, so yeah, it's fun. And obviously, like one of the people, I guess like we've all got like different interests in, in music and stuff. And um I guess like I got a history of working with different music people people haven't read that interview worked a lot with pc music Anna diamond sophie all those doing a lot of creative direction stuff for them namasender as well shout namasender it sort of seemed like strange almost to like pigeonhole it to one thing especially when as you guys know as well one of the fun things about even selling archive clothes or vintage clothes whatever is that kind of ability to be able to um work with different musicians i know you guys work with dane and people like that and actually being able to see like the clothes you've collected and bought kind of come to life a little bit you know is one of the most satisfying things about it because then it's kind of intermingling with the world rather than just being a pile of clothes in the corner of a room you know i think that crossover of Obviously, musicians have been people who have been sort of style icons for a long time. But I think specifically in the realm of older clothes, 
the, I'd, I'd hate, I don't want to use the word archive over and over, but they get the gist. But like now we have like Drake doing the fucking Tusi slide in a, in a raft for me. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it has become very intertwined with the music industry in the past couple of years. It seems like it's having a bit of a moment. So I feel like it, it is pretty, yeah, it just seems to kind of, it's not like we forced working with musicians to come about but it just kind of became something that was kind of organic and people just thinking what we do is cool we think what they do is cool and the partnerships just kind of come pretty yeah pretty pretty organic which is cool no definitely i think it's just that thing of any any like musician with a certain degree of clout can always be like hey get me the new thing from this brand get me a new thing from this brand but with you know vintage slash let's not say archive but you know rare clothes whatever you're looking sometimes at one of one pieces so that's always going to be a way bigger flex because you know no one can get that you know like is one of one so so it's always going to have that that degree of excitement to it yeah if any stylists are listening to this right now breaking enters out here in australia we got you <laughs> cool but the whole the whole one of one thing kind of leads into one of the talking points we had with Hannah, which is who's the guest feature in yeah. this. Hannah first, Diamond, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hannah Diamond, yeah, in this first transmission because she's someone who creates a lot of her costumes herself. And, yeah, I think that was a pretty cool talking point, I guess, and a good way to kind of bridge that gap between music and fashion, which is, I guess, what we're doing with this it's hard to define like what we did but I guess like the first few years of Hannah's career I, I was like creative collaborator I guess like I would I don't know creative director because she does a lot of it herself but we definitely work very collaboratively so she's someone as well like when when I was kind of doing sort of styling stuff her also has like a real background in collecting clothes this is kind of the pre- insta resale kind of era but like i remember back in the day a big part of what i was doing with her was like sourcing clothes to make memorable images do you know what i mean and she's a big dior fan so back in the day we were buying like crazy dior sets for like 50 pounds on ebay or whatever and she's someone that's got a real kind of acute awareness for how fashion intersects with what she does in terms of also works as a kind of fashion photographer, is very in tune with, you know, what's going on in London and who the cool London designers are, kind of mixed with the the kind of collectible vintage pieces, again, avoiding saying the, the, the A word. So yeah, Hannah seemed like a really, of someone that I've had like a good working relationship with and um, also seems like has a very close connection almost to what we do and our interest just seems like a a real natural person to speak to for this basically yeah for sure and it also kind of worked out time zone wise with me being on the other side of the pond at the same time yeah as we could all it was good to kind of touch base and, and record she was obviously a primavera and yeah, I was over there too, which I guess they'll hear about in the in the conversation. Oh yeah, that's one thing to point out. Yeah, when we spoke to Hannah, it was mid, I don't think it was like ages ago, but it was like mid-festival run. So that's definitely the context of of chatting to her. And I'd remember being like a week or so before her playing to like this really insane 
five-figure crowd what the hell especially like having worked with her for like such a long time and having been at the first ever Hannah Diamond show to see that evolution from playing at this this hotel it's still really busy but the nerves and that experience of going through that first performance to see someone like kind of walk onto a, a, a huge stage at one of the biggest European festivals with a massive crowd is really insane to have had a first-hand view of that journey so yeah it was really really fun to see that and yeah that was that that's where we almost the the interview begins I guess basically yeah I was gonna say Sam I don't want to give I don't want to give too much away I feel like it's best just to go into it cool cool well yeah let's run it Hosted by Zero Cool and Break and Enter, and engineered by Gloveless. You're joining us in the middle of what I guess is the most intense series of shows you've done so far, right? Or definitely the most intense kind of run of festival shows you've been do- you've done so far. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, yeah, it is definitely what you said. It's the most intense run of festival shows. I think, um, obviously I've done quite a few like runs of like tours and stuff that have been like pretty intense now, but I think in terms of like the scale of the show and the size of the audience, this has definitely surpassed all other tours. <laughs> what percentage of the way through it are you? Is this like the 50% point or are we at eight, we nearly done now? Where, where are you at in the whole calendar? It's hard to say. I still have a few festivals left, but then I'm also getting like more shows and stuff coming in. So, you know, I think like um, some of the ones I've been looking forward to for a really long time, like the ones that I got booked for even like pre-pandemic, they're done, they're out of the way now. And yeah, I'm really happy with how they all went and stuff. But I do still have like a few more festivals. I've got one in Paris coming up um, called the Peacock Society and I have um, pop culture in Berlin that's coming up and a few other big ones, which is exciting. How have you found the whole festival experience? Not just like the shows themselves, but just kind of being at a Primavera and, you know, hanging out and stuff. What's the what's the whole kind of energy and like vibe, just basically vibe been like with with the whole thing so far? I actually love it you know I think it's like it's super different to like doing a run of like your own like headline shows in like cities and stuff like sorry there's a really loud motorbike going past I don't know if you can hear it um but yeah it's like definitely really different to doing like a run of shows um you know that like your own headline shows because when you're at a festival you're around like a lot of other like really inspiring artists who are also playing so it kind of gets you really geared up for the show in a way that like you don't get when you're just doing your own like run of shows it's almost like there's like more pressure to do really well because there's so many other incredible artists there like it feels almost like 
you know, you have to really be on your A game, especially since we're festival audiences. I feel like a lot of the time, you know, you will get like a crew of like super fans who've like come to see you, but you'll also get people who are like maybe checking you out for the first time. So it's a really different kind of audience, you know. For sure. And then what I wanted to know, because obviously like we've been to um, certain things together before, like South by what is the mm-hmm. catering like because I remember when we went to South by like, <laughs> we all came back vegan we were just eating Alice barbecue all the time I remember the last days we all just had terrible meat sweats and we were like oh my god like I literally can't eat any more meat <laughs> like, I feel we all came back I, I still I never ate meat after that I don't think yeah quite a few of us went vegan after that trip I mean I was always like very on the edge of like being vegetarian anyway and like very nervous about eating meat all the like you know anyway but definitely that trip to that barbecue restaurant definitely changed my life um and gave me a new type of panic about eating animals um but yeah you know there haven't been any like drastic dietary changes post primavera or post this festival run um this time around i'm still yeah most mostly vegan except the occasional pizza um what are the options though because I remember it was at South by it was like Taco Bell everywhere as well we you know other 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 um vendors are available that's what I remember about the trip is just eating endless Taco Bell so yeah I was just curious (laughs) yeah no Taco Bell this trip thank god um but yeah no I I think you know I actually made quite an effort to like go out and about in Barcelona and like try stuff and like went to a really nice tapas restaurant one night um that was recommended by a friend of mine and it was really incredible and um you know I guess like every show like with the festivals we kind of like get catering sorted out for us so we'll just like go to some random fancy hotel and get given a dinner and then head off to the show type thing it's quite random but there's not a sort of single backstage area where there's celebrities walking around everywhere, just like holding trays of food or something like that. No, no, no. It was a little bit more like that at Melt Festival because there was like a catering sort of like area for artists. Um, but, you know, when I when I went there, I just saw everyone I knew. I just saw like Caroline and like AG and like, you know, just like the normal crew. It's almost like we all went there at the same moment. So it wasn't, you know, I didn't feel star starstruck no 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 cool in that way (laughs) was it nice to have time in between the two weekends of primavera just to kind of like hang out in barcelona yeah it was super nice actually um i kind of had like because it's been my birthday it was my birthday on the 20th i was kind of treating that gap in between the two like primavera shows that i had as sort of like a little birthday holiday and um yeah two of my best friends came out there with me and we had like a little holiday and yeah Naomi like Namasenda she came out early to have like a holiday as well so it was like me Naomi Broma and Oscar and we were just like chilling by the pool and living our best life for a sec which was like super super nice felt like a little treat I haven't really had a holiday in that way for a really long time and Roma's like your DJ too right yeah Roma's my DJ yeah I love her she's like my perpetual hype girl and yeah it's been really cool to have her 
on this like run of shows I mean as it always is but like especially cool for like festivals and stuff because it means like I don't have to constantly be on like this hype energy when I'm on stage because one thing I've really learned is that the audience mirrors you like if you're having a really good time and you're jumping around and going crazy like the audience does that too but it's obviously quite hard to maintain if you're also singing so it's really cool to have a DJ who's like so willing to like go so hard because it means in the moments when I'm having to like put in the vocal work Roma's like giving it her all in the background and showing the audience like how they should be like responding and giving them something to like mirror and stuff which is really cool and I was curious as well like what you said a minute ago because it's something I was talking to um, Namasendra about as well it's interesting when you do say a tour date or something you'll get the diehard Hannah Diamond slash PC fans in every city turning out you know but like you said with the, the festival it's kind of you get the people as well who have just heard the name or they've heard a song on the playlist or something like that who are just a, a bit more casual fan maybe, but they're suddenly in the same proximity and they're, oh yeah, I'll check that out. You know, I mean, I've, I've heard enough or I've heard the name enough to go and check that out. And then you can see that, was it like the main stage where there's this insane crowd of, of people? It wasn't the main stage, but it was one of the biggest stages at Primavera. It was called the two stage. And I think the capacity was about 15,000, Okay, which is quite insane. I haven't played a show that size before. I was very like, I was very nervous. And like, it was also, I realized like once we arrived at the festival that the stage that I was playing on was actually quite far away from all the others. So I sort of initially had quite low expectations for how many people might come through for me. And when I first got on stage, there wasn't, I did, it didn't feel like that full. I was like, oh, okay, this is like not as scary as expected. And I could see that everyone who was there who'd got there super early were like really here for me. And I was really like excited and I kind of relaxed a little. And then I got kind of into the performance and lost myself for a moment. And I sort of came to and suddenly it was like really full and it sort of like hit me halfway through like my second song I was kind of like oh shit that filled up quick I didn't expect all of you guys to be here you know it's almost like I was concentrating so hard on doing the performance that I wasn't like really seeing through my eyes for like a moment or something and then I suddenly clocked back back in and realized how many people were there and it really kind of took me back yeah, and what, what is it, what is there that second of almost panic or kind of like realisation of the reality, like, oh my God, there's 15k people watching. Do you ever have that <laughs> moment of silence in your brain where the re- the reality hits you? Are you too locked into to performance mode by then? I have to try and not let that happen because whenever I seem to like do that or let that creep in, um that's when I forget lyrics and stuff because I get really like wow or like I get too in my head so I have to really try and like lock it out but there was definitely this like really crazy moment when I was playing the 100 Gex remix of I Would Never Stop You and pretty much everyone in the crowd was like jumping and dancing and going crazy and there was like some kind of like mosh pit forming a lot of stuff was going on and I was sort of like looking around like how has this happened to me like how how am I here because like you know I was even before I went on stage I was really nervous because you know doing the sound check and stuff it was a huge stage and I'm always aware that you know it's just kind of me and Roma on stage I have a lot of space to fill 
And I sort of imagined just before I went on stage that moment um, from my first show that you were there at Will at the hotel edition when everyone was worried about me going on stage and you were even like how is she gonna do this and I don't know if you remember but Sophie just kind of like patting me on the back and pushing me on being like she's a pop star she'll be fine and I sort of like I imagined that kind of energy of like friends just like pushing me onto the stage being like she's gonna be fine yes it's so crazy thinking about actually that specific show and then seeing that video and I don't think at that that first show I don't think this would I don't, I don't think I had any expectation of like what the limit was per se but I was like I don't think I'd have imagined 15,000 people mosh pit from that that show you know? <laughs> totally and even when I think like how much more like you know embodied and like confident I am in myself like versus like that original show which looking back at some of the footage it kind of looks like a like some kind of like school recital or something like I'm so like you know I'm so inside myself so like inside my head and so small and yeah just yeah I definitely felt like very proud of myself after doing um that really big Primavera show just in terms of like how far I've come like as a performer and how the you know the like vision of like my project is like yeah sort of like finally being executed in the way that I imagined you know kind of feels like it was kind of made for a really big stage you were talking about you being in your head in the first performance and then now you're kind of almost having to block out being in your head to be able to I guess manage the scale of performances do you think that's something that only comes with I guess experience and time was that something that you had to practice or did it come naturally or no it's definitely practice I think I think the more shows I've done the more able I've the more I've been able to become present in the moment of being on stage versus like thinking about you know thinking too inwardly and I think it literally comes with like developing like being comfortable on stage and in front of people and also feeling comfortable with my music and you know knowing my songs a lot better and just coming from like having a lot of rehearsals and you know all of that stuff I guess even in terms of learning how to pace a set is quite important as well in terms of what song to play when and I kind of feel like the footage I've seen of all the festival stuff that's something you can really learn playing on those those bigger stages and it's not something you can necessarily theorize or be like oh yeah this 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 you can you almost have to feel that reaction to be like okay this one goes here and this one goes here and this one goes here 100 percent. and even like say on this tour there was actually quite a lot of like set list rejigging like based on each show would be like okay this really works at this point this felt a bit flat like, you know, it wasn't this this song kind of felt like a dip after this one. We should switch the order. You know, I think pretty much every show I was refining the set list, even just like working out. Um, yeah. How to keep it fresh, but also like how to like, you know, maximize the impact of like every song and have them feel like they're coming at the right moment. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that's really interesting that like I feel like has happened from, say, the recording aspect to going into the more live aspect is knowing all the people it's almost like it's made everyone more three-dimensional in a way as artists I think when we went to say South by or Pop Cube or whatever there was this kind of everyone was under this kind of uniform 
banner of PC music and that was kind of almost seen as one thing like a singular thing do you know what I mean whereas you know being at that Coco show you realize for instance it's actually quite a diverse set of artists you know yes it's definitely got that history and that kind of chronology but you know listening to a Felicita set is different to listening to an A.G. Cook set is different to listening to a Hannah Diamond set quite tangibly now and even I think acknowledged by the audience whereas before it was just I'm going to see a PC music show and it's going to be the PC this sort of sing idea of this kind of quite singular sound if you know what I mean. Yeah totally but I think that just comes with time you know I think um, I feel right now that there's a much better understanding of who everyone is just because we've had the time to like communicate who we are I think at the start we were all doing something that probably seemed more similar than it really all was just because people hadn't really heard anything like this before so it was a lot more easier to contextualize us as a group and now I think that you know the world and like fans and stuff feel a bit more ready to experience some quite extreme experimental pop music you can now kind of like really like distill the like different nuances between like everyone's work and something that maybe seemed you know that tied us together at the start you can now separate into being like totally different things which is actually really cool and it's exciting that um you know everyone's like individuality is now like able to like really be appreciated and shine through and everyone has their own moment but I also think you know at the start um sometimes it used to be frustrating being contextualized as a group but I think it's actually only strengthened like us all as artists because it actually made it a lot more understandable I think if we'd have all tried to be like separate artists I think that um I think we would have had a harder time like being understood I think that having that like period of a few years where we were you know always sort of like presented together actually helped um form a really solid fan base of people that were open to like experiencing a new kind of pop music or like pop experience even and um it's I think it's only helped us all yeah we we were speaking about this last night briefly on the whole like parody and real life thing now just in terms of like you know just because time has just passed Mm, I think like the audience have kind of caught up to it in a weird way do you know what I mean it's crazy because it's been like what like 10 years or almost 10 years since PC music's Mm -hmm. come out and yeah it's just really I don't know I feel like everything going on right now it's like what you guys have been doing for like the last decade you know when that came out I feel like people just took it in as like, I don't know, like parody. But now it's like, if something was to come out like that, what you guys made 10 years ago now, people would be like, oh, this is serious. Like this is, you know, this is what is happening right now kind of thing. Like it makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think, I wonder why that is. I guess it just always takes people a little while to catch on to something. I don't know. Or even just for an idea to be communicated, it's quite hard to do that like immediately at at the like, you know, at the very like birth of a project to expect that you can like communicate in its entirety, like what you're trying to say or like what that project is. I think that's a pretty hard thing to do or even just like to try and communicate that within like a couple of projects. You know, I think it was quite a, a complex like thing that we were all trying to do. 
And I think it's actually taken the number of releases it's been up to now to even like be able to communicate that in a way that even makes sense, you know? People can have very quick ideas sometimes of certain things, but then it's like you can't necessarily actually unpack what they're all about till like the dust is settled kind of thing. And that's definitely something I've seen happen with PC music in the sense of like people making quite quick knee-jerk reactions as to what it is and then but then not being able to kind of almost look at it in an objective way without all the kind of baggage of like think pieces and you know worrying about oh, is it serious or whatever you know yeah I think a lot of that with PC music specifically as well comes from the fact that at the start we were sort of being um critiqued in the context of the world of electronic music when actually I think um you know, we're kind of better suited to like the pop world in a way. And even though there obviously are like electronic artists and stuff in PC, um, you know, everyone's kind of making weird alternative pop music. And at the start, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the think pieces and stuff were coming from like more of an like an electronic music perspective. And that's probably why personally, that's just a thought. Yeah, I was going to say it's the context. Yeah. And, and it's almost like I feel like the journey has been a big part of it has almost been finding the, the audience. Do you know what I mean? In the sense of, OK, you get like, like you said, this electronic audience, they're used to like DJs and whatever, and they're interpreting one way. But then you've built up this audience to just kind of get it on an instinctive level. And it's like, no, this is our music. We get it. You know, you guys don't have to worry about this. This is our thing. Do you know what I mean? And that's almost kind of what's happened over the evolution of the 10 years of being like almost like it's almost like a hand in hand thing where these people you know the audience and the artists have almost had a synergy of building this rapport where it's like oh this is our music we get it instinctively and you make it for that audience not in a kind of limited way where you're like okay we have to target specifically to them but it almost feels like there's been that 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 finding of you know each other over the course of time you know totally and I think we've even grown together you know I think like um you know the more that we experiment and like you know push boundaries the more that our audience like are like open to it as well you know which is really cool going going a step back so obviously I guess like everyone's very familiar with the kind of conversation of like how did you meet ag kirk and and how did you get started and stuff but i kind of feel not many people actually talk about um what you did a long time before if you know what i mean so like i think it's assumed that like what we talked about there for you personally performance wise you know performing isn't completely alien to you right in the sense of you have a background in dance and stuff like that and i feel like that is coming more in has become more integrated into what you're doing now weirdly as well like this kind of more historic side of things <laughs> yeah definitely I mean yeah like you said like performing isn't something that's like totally alien for me like I have ever since I was a child done dance and done performances like I did ballet and performed at like theaters and stuff and like did some big shows doing that but I think being on stage as a dancer as part of a group and where you're like using your body and it's very different to being on stage on your own and just singing you know and I think at this at the start when I first started performing on stage 
I think I was so shocked by being on stage alone and having to use my voice because it was such a different way of performing to what I was used to. But at the start, I found it quite difficult to, you know, integrate or even like combine like my like dance background into my performances and stuff. But I feel like now I'm starting to like work out some kind of middle ground where I am like using more choreography and like more movement stuff and feeling a bit more like confident in using both and I'm definitely excited to um you know going into this second album and stuff like potentially work with choreographers and like do more dance and have that be like more of a part um yeah more of a part of my my shows and stuff which I think will be cool because I remember when we when we sort of say like South by it was almost like the whole thing was almost like a choreography show to a certain extent <laughs> you know what I mean we like because we'd never really done we were like so like oh we've got to impress these people it almost seemed like the go-to of oh, I've got this background in dance I can do this like really intense dance routine and obviously <laughs> you've loosened it up from there but I remember that being you know like a really you know, that at the first point was almost not an easy thing, but something that you kind of, ha you felt confident in that you could do and that's something you could deliver performance-wise, right? Yeah, totally. But I hadn't really worked out that middle ground. It was either like go super hard on dancing or like super hard on vocals. And like, yeah, definitely at that first South by Southwest show, I had like the little like, um, like headset mic. So I think like some people, and it was quite small. So I think some people couldn't even see that, um, I even had a mic because I was doing such like elaborate dancing which is quite funny um looking back and like obviously now it's like I've got way more comfortable with like you know being like a vocal performer and stuff and like and what you know working out how to integrate choreography while still like holding a microphone and you know what looks good on stage like whilst also seeing vocals and then also like what movement is possible while singing like specific vocals of my songs and stuff and like where I need to like hold my core to like keep my like you know breathing good and stuff like I feel like I've learned a lot about that which is cool mm. and as well as the dancing like I think it's like interesting to talk about PC music and your music is seen as kind of a digital like, online first kind of thing do you know what I mean in the sense of the visuals are online the music it's like people really associate it with this digital presence what was your experience pre-PC were you a hyper online person like, when growing up were you like on MSN or like Neopets or like what was your kind of experience with the digital world prior to starting all this I think I was pretty plugged in to be honest like I used to like run home from school to go on MSN and like chat to my friends and yeah I used to like do a bit of like experimental coding as well with like my MySpace page also used to make skins for people's Bebos which is like quite a funny thing and like kind of like quite like I don't know in a way it feels quite like prototype Hannah Diamond that I was making like these funny like sparkle gift skins for people's Bebo accounts and stuff which is pretty funny um but yeah definitely like definitely my internet experience was quite coding based like it was always like still like you know I was being online but like also trying to create stuff or like making gifts and 
I also remember having like vividly remember this like bank of I don't know if you guys remember MSN images but it was just like you could pick like your profile picture for MSN messenger from this like almost bank of like random sparkle gifts and stuff and I had this like huge collection of like really tiny images that were like 200 pixels by 200 pixels and they were all like I just remember there was one of like these like um like these lips of like brown lipstick with like a bee on them and like and it was like sparkling and and I remember like this like kitten one with like yeah I just I just remember them all being like very like you know blingy blingy gifts yeah and kind of used that as a mood board for a lot of like my GCSE art projects in a weird way um was this all purely like experimentation? How present were you in the actual kind of um, making that kind of stuff? Were you kind of developing a persona then or was it more, hey, this is like a fun medium. I want to kind of experiment with this kind of thing. I think at the start, I didn't actually realize how much I was creating a persona, even though I sort of was. Um, I definitely remember like vividly remember like before people really started like taking selfies I was taking loads and I remember feeling like very like almost like guilty or having this like selfie shame because I think like people back then before it became really normalized like saw it as like some type of like vanity thing but I would like I had this like little like cool pics camera like I don't know if you remember yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. like I, I had one of those and I used to like set it up in like various different places like in the garden and stuff and do like these kind of like themed photo shoots of myself for like my MySpace or Bebo and stuff and I don't know like I honestly don't know why I was doing it I guess it was like a form of creative expression but I would like do my makeup like and hair and like dress up as like a style or like you know experiment with like fashion stuff and styling and then do like a mini photo shoot of myself I guess if I'd have had access to like other people that would have been up for me doing it to them I probably would have but I was also very shy and introverted so I think I just used to like do, you know practice and do it all on myself and I didn't even realize I wanted to become a photographer or what I was doing was photography I hadn't really thought about it as that until I got like much older I think mm. was there an audience for this or was it just you doing it for yourself kind of thing oh no there was definitely not an audience like it was like you know it was like me and my like 20 friends at school or whatever you know there was like there was zero audience um I had a Flickr account but like again that was just like random people from school that followed me it wasn't it was not a thing um but it was very it was very a thing for something that wasn't a thing <laughs> in a way you talk a lot about the community aspect of PC music whether that's between the artists or in the sense of the actual audience itself curiously what that feels like and what that experience is you know yeah how how that kind of works out as, a, as an online thing rather than a rather than a kind of oh all these people are at my show kind of thing like this sense of like this like this really intense digital kind of community aspect yeah I mean for me I feel like it's really special I feel it it obviously is like super extreme because like the community is like pretty big now um but it feels 
it feels really special like especially to like you know to know that like the work that you've made has like made an impact on people or has also even like inspired other people to like be creative and like make stuff feels super good because you know when I feel like that was something that I didn't necessarily have when when I was growing up and I kind of wished that I had but there wasn't really a place for that or anywhere to like kind of like find like-minded people in this way um so yeah I guess I've sort of like created the world that I wish that I had had access to in a way what was the area you were living in like like what were the people around you were doing um so I grew up in a small village just outside of a city called Norwich and it's a very quiet place not much going on there um you know I went to a very sort of like um rough around the edges high school um you know there wasn't like I don't know that it really like there wasn't much focus on like creativity to be honest I think because like the school was always like super underperforming that they like really like pushed all the like academic subjects so if you were smart and stuff like they would really push you to like do those because it would like help the school's like reputation and stuff so there wasn't like super focus on creativity although like it did have like a really good performing arts department which was like really like a key element of the school that I went to which was really cool so I did have like you know access to like being able to like be in like some pretty advanced musical productions and stuff like that which is pretty cool but um in terms of like um I guess like arts and creative stuff like Norwich has a pretty good art scene but it wasn't really something that I was able to get involved in until I like was out of high school and went to college in the city center and I was a bit older and um yeah I guess it wasn't really until college that I had like like minded like creative friends I suppose because I didn't really have anybody like that at school um who was like intensely creative in the same way as me who would like kind of would scrap every other subject and just do art all day um I didn't really know anyone else like that Mm, it's kind of weird now creating the world that you didn't get to experience when you were younger it's funny like when you look on Twitter it's people put up these lists of if you stand Hannah Diamond Kim Petras etc etc these almost become like beacons now of that people kind of connect through in a weird way so it'd be like you can almost have a friendship group that's based around all being Hannah Diamond fans in a weird way do you know what I mean it's funny totally and I think um you know when I was growing up um you know being able to like even like have access to like music artists in this in the way that like young people have access to music artists now wasn't really possible like I don't even think it was possible for like music artists to develop like online communities around their music in the same way you know it was very it felt very like offline you know people were like more like downloading individual albums or stuff but there wasn't an actual way for like fans to connect and like make friends I mean we'll it's pretty much how we met as well and like how I like our bond we like me you and Elliot just got created like not not specifically because of PC music but I feel like we have you know heaps in common because of you know we both know PC music and all all of that kind of stuff so 
Yeah, I think it's like one thing like we talk about a lot is this desire kind of to look beyond the internet, you know, feel that sign like comment to mm-hmm. everyone in the chat. Maybe they're all kind of, they've all, they're all kind of starting on the internet or they're building up a practice or, or whatever it is. And, it, and it, it's like a good sort of launch pad but I kind of feel when you started was there a kind of point where you know this is cool but I I want this to be more than this digital presence like I want to kind of circulate into the real world was that something that was always on your mind well I think it wasn't necessarily on my mind at the start I remember at the start it felt like all there was was the internet um you know but then I think gradually, um, yeah, gradually I've sort of like realized that it's actually quite dangerous to, to, you know, revolve your creative practice around the internet or like, you know, thinking that's all there is because um, it's kind of, it kind of limits you in a way. And I think if I, I think if I hadn't, you know, just say for example, in theory, if I hadn't, um, you know, done, taken my shows into like a live space or started performing like IRL. Um, I think that my music wouldn't have evolved in the way that it has. I think it like, you know, it's important to have like real experiences and not just hold everything in an online space and yeah, translate pixels into person or something you know is there positive and the negatives though because you as like being a a sort of digital image maker as well is it hard to like let go of that sense of control though because digital you can be feel really in control of what you're putting out you can be curated about how you present yourself or your work or whatever whereas suddenly like going into the real world maybe this is a, a kind of clumsy metaphor but photographers could be taking photos from any angle and that could be the one that ends up on <laughs> rolling stone or whatever it is you know is it kind of scary in a way opening yourself up to that different level of potential exposure i think it is scary but ultimately i think it's healthy and i think i think that really like you know weighs out the balance to be honest I think it's definitely been a healthy thing for me like letting go of some of the control over my image and you know becoming I've actually been practicing like becoming like more of myself and like presenting myself as like more of my real self because I think it's important like um I think it's important for my fans to like be able to you know like relate to me but also like understand I'm a real person and not hold themselves up to the same levels of perfection that like you know I might hold myself up to in like my image making for example but it's also like healthy for me I think because one of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently actually is when you're an artist and I mean when you're kind of anyone that has like an online profile I guess but specifically I've been thinking about it in the context of like pop artists is um you kind of become your image like that's part of like what being a pop star is it's about creating a world creating an image and then personifying it and I think it's important to remember who you really are and that you're not just your image like I think it can be really easy to feel sucked into that world yourself and feel like that's all you are And 
it's really important to remember that you're like so much more than that and that you're a person and you have feelings and you have emotions and you're not this perfect thing and that it's fine to be you know it's fine to have imperfections it's fine to like make mistakes it's fine to mess up sometimes because you're human and I think um I think it's important to allow that you know like even to have space for creativity you can't like keep yourself like locked into like these you know perfection parameters that you know they kind of keep you locked in a cage in a way that like can prevent experimentation and stuff Mm. and that's something that I guess is most relatable between other artists so is there like a kind of secret world of where there's this sort of support group for artists where you know where you sort of talk about community sense in terms of the PC music fan base but also in terms of between other artists is this something that there's you have like ongoing dialogues with people about kind of like this this kind of managing this kind of sense of the brand and the person and being able to kind of not go crazy you know yeah I mean it's definitely something that I've spoken there's a few people I've I've spent like many many hours like talking about this with like one of them is my friend Oscar another one is Hyde you know like artists who have yeah like developed an image and then like either wanted to like like change that or like grow with it and I don't know it's just yeah we've like I think us three like have spoken a lot a lot about that kind of stuff I've definitely spoken with them a lot about this I think it's important to have friendships like that who really understand like what it's like living with being a person and also being an image at the same time it's something I've been trying to work out how to express I'm I'm trying to put it into my new music actually it's like one of the main themes I've been thinking about recently is that separation or like feeling like you're two people you know you find it hard to kind of I guess separate that when you've come off something like the tour run you've just done like you've kind of been in Hannah Diamond mode for a <laughs> while you've had to, you've been dressed in costumes and kind of being in the public eye you find you kind of need a reset almost like to go home and just like look in the mirror and be like okay I'm I'm me still you know what I mean well I always I always try and do things that like ground me so like one of the things that um I didn't realize would do it but it actually did it for me at the Coco show is I used the pom-poms from like when I was a kid like as part of my stage costume and I always try and like find ways to like make whatever I'm doing like have like a real layer of like personalness to it if that makes sense so that there's always a bit of me there because I don't want to just I'm not creating like this completely like fictional world or fictional character like it is me it's just like a a magnified extension of me um you know it's almost like looking at my personality through like a magnifying glass and making it into like some kind of like pop world or something but I actually find it really relaxing coming home and doing nothing it's like nice to just be able to like you know be in my space and chill out and stuff and I think I definitely got a bit of like post-tour blues but I think that 
you know, if I really sit and unpack it, I think it comes down to like the difference between like having a really set out schedule of something fun to do every day versus like coming home and then having to like work out what you're doing yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Because that's what it was definitely like on the shows where I've been on you before. It's almost like a school trip. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, what are we doing today? Oh, let's go to this today. Or this person's, oh, there's this party. So you've got this a pre-planned like timetable yeah and like you know also when I'm doing that kind of stuff I have my team telling me like where I need to be and what I need to do at what time and even like what time it would be convenient for me to shower or wash my hair that day you know it's like maybe you should do this like before the show like but before dinner or like the or maybe like after dinner before the show because it's a late one you know it's almost like you have someone helping you like make all those like decisions of like boring tasks and then when you get home it's like oh okay what like order should I do things in today because yeah, there's no schedule it's like anything can happen you know you're out of practice and then yeah I find it quite hard to be like productive for the first like few days or whatever but I'm getting back into it now yeah but yeah picking up on the f- the fashion side of things like obviously that's that's something like you know I see a lot of people talking about obviously Hannah Diamond like I feel there's been a lot of like previous conversations you've had that have like either dived into like the, the photo photography and the references, you know, like Merton Marcus and all that kind of thing. And then the, the musical side, but actually like, I kind of feel like uh, kind of co- alongside both the music and the photography, the fashion side, the interest in fashion has always been a really core thing for you do you know what I mean and and that that's kind of gone hand in hand with both of those things that I feel hasn't maybe been kind of discussed quite as much yeah I mean I think probably the reason that I'm even doing all the things that I'm doing is probably fully informed by like my interest in fashion to be honest um I think even the reason that I you know got into photography was f- fashion based what started all of that for you was that just the costumes you used to make with your mom and stuff I mean kind of a mix of everything I've I I think definitely like yeah my mum and my grandma and like helping make all my dance costumes that was definitely probably like the genesis of everything I think and then um and then and then I think I like when I was like about 10 or 11 I started buying fashion magazines and like but mostly to use as like drawing references I guess because at the time I thought I wanted to be like a fashion illustrator or something and I started getting really into like specifically fashion campaigns like the ads are probably the part that most people like want to skip in magazines but for some reason they were the part that like I liked the most like I had like this like I, I really want to find it it's currently lost it's been lost for two years I know it's somewhere maybe at my parents house but I made this folder of like tear sheets of all the magazine ads from all the magazines I collected when from when I was like 10 years old and I don't know why I was so obsessed with the adverts more than the other stuff um but yeah that's really where it all kind of started I guess it's funny with that with the adverts because in a way when you kind of look at typical fashion editorial, images can tend to be a lot more passive. Do you know what I mean? Like people aren't looking at the camera or they're more like, they're more about expressing a specific kind of taste or mood. Whereas you look at an advert, 
they're so much more like direct you know what i mean people always are generally like have a lot more direct they're looking at the camera and it's like if you're not at the age where you're kind of able to sort of unpack oh this is supposed to sell me a product exactly they just seem much more immediately engaging do you know what i mean and in a way that's kind of like you have to have that as well with music imagery you can't have something that people not not to like reduce it to this but it's got to be something that people stop at when they're scrolling on instagram or whatever it is that sort of sense of of directness is really important right so I kind of feel the advertising although it hasn't sold you the product it's almost done its job in terms of being the most engaging image that has hooked you into like it's its own power in a way you know yeah definitely I mean I definitely didn't probably didn't realize at the time that you know I mean I guess I knew that they were adverts but I didn't really like you know, I was just like, oh, you know, it was just like fun things I was cutting out. You know, I wasn't really thinking about it that deep, I guess. Um, I, guess I guess it kind of makes sense if you were into, um, I guess, maybe you weren't into the photography aspect that early. But if you were into the fashion, but then you also kind of because like the advertisements have more of that. They're creating a world around the the clothing, you know what I mean? So you're kind of into the world like some of the some early campaign images i think was something that was really influential for me as well because it was just i was like yeah some of the set designs and stuff just brings you right into the world of the clothes you know totally and i think even like looking back when i say i'm like interested in fashion i don't even specifically know if it was always about the clothes like when i think about it you know i think it maybe always was about like fashion imagery more than it even was about the clothes um but there's like a few adverts that really like stuck out to me is like like they they're like burn into my mind of like things I remember there was like this diesel ad of like a man's hand like a hairy man's hand holding a lady's hand with like really freshly manicured nails kind of like this and their wrists were kind of together but like there was like six watches and the watches were going around both of their wrists mm. That's quite sick. I, mm. Yeah, I re- really like that image. I remember that really strong. I remember, um, yeah, there's a few of the, like, Nick Knight Dior campaigns, the one with, like, all the mirrors, like, the blue kind of, like, reflections with the, like, Sakura Blossom and, like, the red latex dress. That one is, like, burnt in my mind from, like, cutting that out of a magazine as well. Um, and then there was also another diesel one that I remember, which was like the back of a, <laughs> the back of a man who was naked with his butt. And then there was like legs with like cowboy boots. Like, do you, do you guys I think I've that seen that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. I remember that one. And then I remember there was like a few like Sky Vodka adverts that I remembered. And I think like, like one of the things that struck me with like those ones specifically was that like, they were kind of composed like illustrations more than they were composed like photos. So there was like a part of me that was like, how did they, how was this made? It felt like so unachievable or like impossible, you know? And I used to use like images like that for references for like illustration quite a lot. Cause I was really into doing like hyper-realistic colored pencil illustrations and 
those kind of like really extreme glossy fashion ads are kind of perfect references for that kind of thing because it's kind of essentially what they are in a way it's like hyper realistic illustrations even though photo was like the starting point Mm. and what was the kind of tipping point then for having that interest which is purely visual to like actually wanting to get the clothes and be involved in actually on a kind of consumer level or like developing your own kind of style if you know what I mean you know what I'm really not sure I don't know how I got it into my head but from maybe the age of like 13 I'd like decided I was going to fashion college I'm not quite sure why I it was just like a choice that like it was like something that I had like told myself and told all my family I was like this is what I'm going to do I'm when I finish school I'm going to fashion college And it was just something that I'd sort of like set in my mind. And like, I don't know, I did, I did kind of used to think like, I used to sort of think I was like Galliano and my grandma was my seamstress or something. I'd like go around her house and be like, so today, granny, we're making a mermaid costume. And these are the materials we have. This is what I need. I'd like done sketches, found reference images. And I'd be like, look, we've just got a few hours whilst mum's at work. Like, can you help me just like whip this up? Because I honestly thought my grandma had like superpowers. I mean, she kind of does in terms of like making things and like sewing. And she did always pretty much nail the brief, to be honest. I was going to say like, that's almost like you're like, again, with the illustration stuff of recreating what you can see illustratively. It's moving almost to doing that with the clothes. Do you know what I mean? Where you're actually not just drawing the adverts or like recreating them, but you're actually recreating what people are wearing kind of thing. I think even like you know I was saying earlier about when I got a bit older and I started like you know like making self-portraits and stuff the clothes kind of like became like a way to communicate like an idea and I think that's like still very much the case for like my stuff my work now you know like I'll have like these kind of like ideas about a song that are quite heavily based on the look and it's kind of sometimes like my house kind of feels a bit like drag race or I'll have this idea. I'm like, okay, so today's theme is like, you know, like with make-believe images or whatever, it's like the theme is ski bunny. Like, how do I like, you know, how do I execute this theme based on like, you know, a couple of like shopping trips for accessories and then like making a load of stuff at home or whatever to, um, you know, like communicate this idea. Still like definitely feels like an extension of, yeah, even the stuff that I was doing when I was younger and like even connected to the dance stuff, you know, like the theme is like cheerleader, like here's the materials, here's the elastic, here's this part or whatever. Let's like see what outfit we can make to communicate this costume or whatever. Still feels quite like that. Do you find yourself thinking back to you younger and kind of thinking how, I don't know, like, proud or amazed like the young Hannah would would be seeing you are now as as in like the fact that you are doing this thing which you had have had like passion for for a while but you're also doing what you used to do with your grandma and with your dancing and you've kind of like made it into your life it's pretty special to I guess transform childhood passions into a career yeah, it's quite intense and quite wild. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it until I think I hadn't thought about it all that much until like these Primavera shows, I guess. 
And then I, I guess it really sort of like highlighted for me at the Coco show. But there was a point um, when I was at Primavera where I was listening to um, just like my one of my playlists on Spotify, like by the pool, like in the kind of like holiday gap in between. And like this song called Boys of Summer by DJ Sammy came on, like it was just on like the Spotify radio. And I kind of realized in that moment that everything that I used to do is somehow a part of like what I'm doing now, because actually that song Boys of Summer used to be like one of the songs um, that I danced to with my dance group. And I kind of even realized in that moment that all of that music that I used to dance to is actually even like heavily informed and inspired the music I'm making now, even like how I got into like trance and stuff was from, from my dance teachers I had back then and the songs that they'd pick, like the, like the cheerleader song that we danced to was like this like club bland song called Shake Your Shimmy. I don't know if you guys know that song. (laughs) Do you know it? I don't think so, but I like it. It's so good. It goes like shake, 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 shake your shimmy, shimmy, shake the shimmy, the shimmy, shimmy, rock the shimmy. Yeah, it's so good. It's just like this like crazy, like clubland song and then like we would do like another song to this like boys of summer song and I was just thinking about like how I didn't actually realize like how much that those like moments in my childhood had like informed like what I'm into or something even you know mm-hmm. um and I kind of realized in that mo in that moment when the song came on it kind of like unlocked like a core memory I was like oh yeah this song like I remember this and like I remembered like the costume for it and stuff and was thinking about how much it actually has inspired everything that I've sort of like done in my like performing life or whatever um you do a lot of customization of your stuff like the Diamante stuff is that the the connection between the two worlds like blinged out leotards to like you know like the the buffaloes or whatever you kind of make now you know yeah I think so I think because like I always remember like trips to like dance shops when I was a kid with my mum and there was like this one in Norwich that was only open on like the second Sunday of the month or something and I remember like it would be really exciting to go there I'd probably have like something really specific that I needed to get like a white shiny hot pan and a red leg warmer just as a random example but like we'd go and look at all the like sparkly stuff and like all the hot pants that were like rhinestoned and like like the like yeah like ballet big tutus and stuff and like I always remember like wanting everything in there <laughs> obviously you make a lot of your own stuff but you do wear a lot of brands in your shows and stuff like that and like I was saying about one of the designers recently was was Mimi Wade and I was like curious firstly what was the relationship with Mimi and and secondly like how do you discover like new designers now whether that's stuff that you just you like or like you want to buy or like what's your kind of interaction your discovery interaction with fashion stuff now and what was your kind of what's what what was the history of Mimi and and that outfit and stuff like that well so I guess like in terms of like finding stuff now it's I'm gonna be honest it's mostly just Instagram you know I'm just like I follow quite a lot of like different um stores that like support like young designers and um yeah I'm always like looking into like 
I don't know if I see something that I like I'll like you know go through layers a few layers deep and like work out who it is or like I follow quite a lot of stylists and you know people that I'm connected with through like photography stuff so I always like I'm like sort of like researching whenever I'm on there to find things that I like but I am quite specific and fussy about things that I wear for shows and like I was saying earlier I, I do think it's like it's important for me that the the outfit has like meaning to it and that it like and that it communicates something like I feel like the outfit has to be a part of the show it can't just be like a you know like a cool outfit for me I think um it needs to be more like a costume um so although I do wear like designer pieces on stage and stuff um it's kind of like thought out and um you know quite select like it has to really be like the right thing um but yeah I like I really wanted to um I actually bought the the Mimi Wade dress recently because so she loaned one that was very similar from her previous collection to me for a video shoot that I did with a tech company um who make music stuff called Novation and I did um like a live performance of them and I wore her dress for that and when I wore it it really reminded me of this like outfit that I had when I used to do dance and like the cheerleader theme and I I loved it so much and I was so excited when I saw that she had made like more styles of this dress but um with the cat print and I think they're made from like vintage t-shirts from the 80s um which I also love um and I was sort of like, ever since I saw that she posted about that collection, I like knew that I needed to buy the dress with the cats on. I was something that I'd like been thinking about for like the last like eight months or something like that. So when I saw the dress go up, I was like, oh my God, now's my chance. I just have to do it. Um, so I took a leap of faith and bought, and I'm really glad that I did. And um. Yeah, I really love everything that Mimi does. I think she's really, really talented designer. Do you keep an eye on London designers specifically? How aware are you of like what's going on contemporary stuff? Like who's showing at London Fashion Week? Do you go that deep or is it just socially aware? Like, oh, I know that designer from this party or what, what kind of thing is it? I think it's, I think it's more socially aware stuff and like, um, and also just like, connections I make on Insta and stuff like that um I'm always like really up for supporting people that I know if they're doing good stuff you know I'm like I obviously really like Ashley Williams stuff and love her as a person I think she's such a sweetheart so I'm like so down to like support people that I think are like making really good stuff but also like just I want to support them because I think they're like really cool people um and then, like, I found quite a few, like, fun designers in Australia recently, actually. Like, I bought some stuff from this girl called Emily Watson, um, who made uh, out of, um, I guess they're made out of, like, um, like dead stock bikinis and stuff like that. It's made all out of all these little triangles. Um, so I'm really, like, really up for stuff like this. Um but yeah, again, I'm I'm really specific on what I like. So I just sort of like keep searching around. I might have this idea of some some kind of look that I've got in my mind. 
and I'll like search for things I have like this little like screenshot folder on my phone of like things I like but if I'm gonna buy anything I I spend quite a long time deliberating it before I do Um, because I want to make sure that if I do buy something that I'm not gonna I don't want to get bored of something or have to resell it I'm thinking of like my collection of clothes as like stuff that I will want to wear to the death or like have as like a piece that will be like an archive piece or something it's good as well that you do that because I think there's a lot of expectation you just give them something (laughs) do you know what I mean or whatever so it's good you're directly supporting the people you know like if you want to look good and you like someone's work buy it support them help them make more stuff I guess it does mean that you know like you kind of like buy less stuff but that I think that's also good too you know um I definitely you know don't want to like be buying loads of clothes all the time or anything like that and like I tried to be like really specific in if I do buy something new try and buy it from like someone like you know like a new young designer who's like making stuff like from their own studio or like buy like vintage like designer stuff um that's my kind of vibe do you ever shop for like the off-duty hannah diamond the one drinking a cup of tea on the sofa i do yeah sometimes i have to do that is there is there a different taste is it is there a different kind of set of brands or values buying for that person yeah I mean this stuff is like loungewear you know what I mean it's like I'm all about the comfies when I'm at home right um yeah I'm all about the comfies when I'm at home um I just wear like well I wear everyone's merch quite a lot at home actually which is quite funny but like all my friends when they give me like merch t-shirts and stuff like that's I'll be like repping like all my friends around the house endlessly. Um, and yeah, just like comfy track, track bottoms or like shorts and stuff. Basically kind of pajamas plus merch. No designer moments though at home or in your, in your non-performer life. I mean, if you count like hanging out with friends as like my non-performer life, then I wear fun things then but like when I'm in the confines of my house it's like strictly kind of nightwear loungewear only um which is kind of fun but I try to only wear like fun clothes when I leave the house because I also don't want to like wear them out (laughs) you know I get like that but I'm also like sometimes if I have a day where I'm just working from home I feel like almost hanging around and like tracky bottoms and a hoodie kind of makes me feel like way more sluggish it's almost like I'm like tricking my mind in like oh, if I put on pants and a t-shirt and I even wear shoes in the house it's like okay I'm actually like I'm going about my day and I'm doing stuff like I'm sharp yeah yeah yeah, yeah true occasionally I'll do that but I'll still try and keep it kind of low-key mm. do you think your like buying habits are kind of um looking for small designers and kind of being very cautious of, or not cautious, but I guess well thought out about your purchases comes from the history of kind of having an understanding of the process of clothes being made. Cause I guess, cause I feel like I, if I was involved in the clothes making process, I'd probably hold more value on the clothes themselves. Like I'm not a huge consumer, but I feel like being around that and kind of seeing what goes into it and all the effort that goes into something, it would make me appreciate the value of something more. So yeah, there was definitely like a point, I think that, um, 
you know, I decided that I was going to make more of an effort with this stuff. But like, I'd also say that like, you know, being able to choose like, um, you know, how you shop and like um, being like super conscious about it is also like, that also comes with like, you know, having the privilege of like my earnings, like going up and stuff like that, where you can like start deciding to like buy things from like small young designers rather than like having to like buy high street stuff and um like if because occasionally you do just need can buy like a lot of vintage stuff but occasionally you might just need like a couple of t-shirts or like a pair of pajamas or like new pants for example you know like and I think like keeping like um any kind of like mass-produced purchases to like you know as good quality of that version so you like they last as long as possible is like a really good thing to do if you can do it but also it's it's not realistic for everybody um but that being said um there was definitely like a couple moments in my life where I decided that I was going to make an effort to like shop more consciously one of them was like a moment where I like completely ran out of money when I was just like finished uni and I actually sold pretty much all my possessions and I really was like starting from scratch almost um and I put like everything on eBay like sold all the things I didn't really wear that much and I really distilled my wardrobe down to like basically like a few like core items I was like these are my ride or die items and then I sort of like decided from that point on that, um, you know, if I bought anything, I only wanted to like add to that collection of stuff that was going to be like things that, you know, that I really wanted to wear, things that I would really want to keep um, rather than having things that I was like, you know, I can, I can lose this. It, it's not going to make a difference. And now I guess, do you see yourself taking fashion further almost like I know you have merch lines and stuff but is it going to be a Hannah Diamond cut and sew drop coming soon <laughs> like it's <laughs> um I don't want to give anything away um but yeah I'm I'm plotting I'm thinking of some stuff that I want to do um I think you should give us the exclusive on that you know I feel like you've always wanted to take merch a bit further right yeah I have, I've always, I've definitely always, like, wanted to think about my merch, like, a lot differently to, like, music merch, for example. Like, the idea of creating, like, hundreds and hundreds of, like, the same t-shirt and them all ending up in charity shops all over the world or, you know, that really stresses me out because typically, like, music merch is really bad quality. So when I made the limited rounds of the Reflections t-shirts that I made for my album, I was really... Um, conscious on making them actually pretty high quality so that it would be something that someone could you know live and die in and like wear for like a really long amount of time because there's nothing like more unsatisfying than like you know spending quite a lot of money on music merch and then washing it a couple of times and it turns into that kind of like crispy fabric that feels like a hospital gown I've had a few t-shirts turn out like that and have been really disappointed so I really didn't want to make anything like that um, and then that was the other reason why I, I, I just did like limited drops of like 50 t-shirts at a time. Um, 
because I didn't want to end up with like excess stock that I had I didn't know what I was going to do with so I, I yeah I think I sold like probably it was like about 300 350 something like that um in the end which I feel like is a good amount of something to put out I didn't really feel that comfy like you know making like thousands or something um but I'm definitely into the idea of um I'm definitely into the idea of making like one-off items not that many of them but making them pretty high quality and yeah I'm definitely interested in like seeing how far I can push it outside the realms of like traditional music merch as well Transmission.